The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with The Birth Circle, and today I'm so excited to have Dr. Christina Stitcher, and we're going to be talking about the importance and usefulness of chiropractics in pregnancy and in birth. I've had chiropractors come to births before, and then also um, things to do with your baby's structure um, that affect their alignment and torticollis and this other big word. Plagiocephaly. That big word. Mm -hmm. Uh We'll let you say that word for the rest of the episode. Absolutely. No problem. (laughs) So um, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into this field? So I was raised medically, traditional uh, family. I grew up wanting to be a doctor. And so the assumption is you're going to be a medical doctor. And my senior year in high school, my mom was involved in a car crash. She was T-boned and she injured her neck. She actually got a uh, disc herniation. So she saw a medical doctor who said Mm. that she had to see a surgeon. The surgeon said, your only solution is a fusion of your cervical spine. So she fused, and this is in 97, so she fused C6, C7, so the lower part of your neck. And back then it wasn't any hardware. So they used a piece of her hip. They removed the the disc space and they literally hammer chisel the hip bone in between C6, C7 to fuse it. That sounds really comfortable. It's really extreme. And because there's no hardware, then you're in a soft, you're in a hard collar. Then you graduate over months to a softer collar because you can't move your neck because it has to start to, to fuse. My mom was a failure of the fusion, which, and, and when I say oh. failure, it means that she came out of it in as much pain, as much symptoms, as much radiating um, pain into her arms, use of her arms as she went into her surgery. I remember sitting down with a doctor with my dad and we asked the surgeon, he said, well, how soon is she going to feel better? And the surgeon looked at us and he said, well, there's no guarantees that she'll feel better. And I remember I'm a senior in high school thinking, this is insane. Would we have even done this surgery? Would mom have done this surgery if we knew there was no guarantees? Mm. And so her health, unfortunately, continued to decline. And I really remember that senior year in my high school, in high school we had a family business. I helped take over that part, her part of the family business. I was also applying to schools and to colleges. I grew up back east, and I I found a school I really wanted to go to. And we are good, stubborn New England stock, which is no one puts their life on hold. And so I went out west to go to school, and my family was in Maine, and they they encouraged me to go to schools. Do not wait. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I started as my freshman year in university, a brand new chiropractor moved into our hometown. My mom had seen a chiropractor after my pregnancy because I'm a posterior baby or was a posterior baby. Mm-hmm. So she had seen someone from my brother and she saw this chiropractor. And this is, this is why obviously it changed my life, but he was extremely thorough. He did proper examinations, looked at all of her MRIs, her x-rays, everything. And he sat down with her and said, you can like, your spine will never be the same. You surgically fused your spine. It yeah. will never be the same, but I firmly believe your health can be better than it is. Let's find what your best can be. Oh, wow. And he put her on a schedule of care to actually correct her health and get her function back. Because when we look at our bodies, our bodies are meant to heal, repair, function at their very best as long as there's no interference. And if there's an interference in that communication system, which is our nervous system, our brain talking through our nerves, through our spinal cord to every part of our body, then as long as there's no interference, everything can work properly Mm -hmm. and like it should. If there's interference, then that will stop function that can also delay healing or even just cause improper healing. And, and so my mom, I, I watched as a, as a daughter and as a student, as I had come back at, at Christmas time and my mom's eyes were brighter. You and can see the difference. You could see the difference. And it's the she first was thing. Less, less pain? Less? She was in less pain and she was functioning better. She was able to do more. But I look at that with like, when you talk about light in someone's eyes coming back on, that's life. That's Mm -hmm. hope. That is hope. And it's life. And and so it changed my trajectory of saying, okay, well, I want to be a doctor who... Does that. Yeah, does that. Whatever that magic is. I wasn't quite there yet. I I was more stubborn than that. I wish I was there that fast. But I said, well, I'll be a doctor who likes chiropractors. And so then I... (laughs) You know, slowly. Slowly had to be worked into it. So when people say, I'm not sure about chiropractic, I'm like, oh, I totally understand because neither was I. Yeah, because you guys are woo-woo weird. we are. And we can be. And and we are. (laughs) And I'll claim that. And so my experience was I was looking at medical schools and my mom asked me as a favor to her to go check out a chiropractic school. 
And so I totally did it as a favor to her thinking, going, I'm not going to be a chiropractor. Just humor your mom. Yep. And she mm-hmm. was paying for the trip down to Texas to look at a medical school at the same time. So I was appreciating the offer. And I was at the chiropractic school on the tour of the campus. And I was in the microbiology room where we grow the Petri dishes. And it was like a two by four to the back of my head. That I was supposed to be a chiropractor. That probably messed with your alignment, though. So it was a good thing that you. So were thank the- goodness I went into chiropractic. <laughs> exactly, it was the greatest source of inspiration I'd ever received in my life to that point, and I listened to it. I acted on it. I did everything I could to be there as quickly as possible because that was the inspiration I had. Was I was not only supposed to be a chiropractor, I had to be there at that school That's as cool. quickly as possible. Cool. So it changed everything, and yeah. and I love it. Like uh, most chiropractors, when you talk to them, you actually find out it's like we get called to the profession. Mm-hmm. And I can absolutely say there's a purpose behind it because we are renegades. We are crazy. Well, that's the thing. I believe that everyone is called to what they do if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so I love hearing the story of how people get their background. Like what what tipped you, especially going into the crazy world. I mean, chiropractors are already crazy, but then get into the birth realm and take care of pregnant women. Then you're definitely definitely lost your marbles. So, well, and especially <laughs> as I opened my practice, I was one of the first docs in my area that opened up seeing pregnancy and seeing kids. And that's got to be weird because yeah. I mean, growing up I couldn't I didn't even really know what a chiropractor was, mm-hmm. but thinking about chiropractics for pregnancy, that would have seemed I mean, how do you Anyway, we'll get into the mechanics of how right. you treat a pregnant woman, but Absolutely. And then babies and, and babies. kids and go, oh, yeah. why? And yeah. and that's why we're doing mm-hmm. this is to go there's so much research and so many reasons yeah. of the why, and it has to be, it has to lead the conversation is, is our why yep. and our purpose. And the goal is just to provide lots of options and education and you can pick the right route for you. So, oh, we should probably put a disclaimer on this one. Mm-hmm. This is not medical advice. You should see your own doctor, your own provider for sure. This is just for informational purposes. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. So um, tell me how, first of all, I'm doing the gymnastics in my head and how do you treat a pregnant woman chiropractically very carefully and very precisely so so can any chiropractor treat pregnant women so i'm hesitant because in our schooling and i i worked as a faculty a full-time faculty for a year at one of our, our chiropractic schools had a great time doing it i just was missing practice too much and taking care of people so i can absolutely speak from both sides of it academically everyone who graduates as a chiropractor has taken basic obgyn and pediatrics mm. so technically they have had exposure to it and and decent exposure besides that I really would rather see someone who is their passion. Mm-hmm. It's something that they do, not just, oh, there's just another spine, because I've heard that expression. All spines are the same, and I kind of flip out at that because it's so specialized. Well, it's that's so what I'm saying. It's so flipped because you have this hormone. You, your body structure is different when you're pregnant. So if you just say your spine is the same, that would be a red flag to me. Like, mm, no, pregnant women are a special breed of orchid that they'll eat. And I love that you say that because when people say, it's like, how do I find a good chiropractor? It's like, I'll jump into that one right there. Do they see pregnant people? Do they see kiddos? Mm -hmm. Are there pregnant mamas and kiddos in their practice? And do they have specialized equipment? And so how do I do it? I use drop work. And so my tables will raise up and lower. And so drop work is is a technique that we can utilize. It's really gentle, really specific. It just makes the noise of the drop table. But that way, I don't have to do any twisting. No, um, no snap, crackle, pop. Nope. And especially during pregnancy, I don't, I don't think it's the best way to adjust the low back and pelvis. No. And so I, that's me. And this is going to be my, sorry, I'm getting heart. You're interviewing me. So I know there's <laughs> oh, docs I know who say we can do that, yeah. but I, and I teach this around the world. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of passionate from the stage of going, I don't believe you guys should be doing that. And so instead we use tables that can assist. I use pregnancy pillows. So mom can lay on her belly and it has cutouts for dreamy. the belly. And that's Can I exactly, just come sleep mm, that's exactly, it's like, I, I joke, we pat every woman down before they leave to make sure they're not hidden under her belly as well. So she should take them home <laughs> and just enjoy sleeping on her belly or laying down finally. Yeah. But it is, it's like, women are unique. We, we're unique. Our bodies mm-hmm. are special, individualized. And then we add this intelligence and brilliance of a pregnancy to it. I love that phrasing. And it changes the game. Mm-hmm. in such a beautiful, wonderful way that if we're unwilling to adapt to a pregnant woman, then it's the wrong provider in my opinion because I don't want my patient to adapt to me. I will adapt to them and their needs of what's happening like with their that. body. And so I think it is one of going, well, how do we figure things out? Most, I can say most of my moms, 99% of my moms can lay down on a table with one pillow, two pillows, three pillows. It's like we I had lots of twin moms as well. I've had a triplet mom, so that makes it fun. And all my years, I had one patient that I could not have her lay on her belly. 
with using support. So we adjusted our standing up. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different ways to to help someone, but it's knowing, um, having that knowingness and having that um, the lack of pride to just say, well, what's the best way I can yeah. help take care of this patient right now and do the very best for her. So how does a mom know if chiropractic would be a good idea for her to investigate? Like what kind of symptoms would she be having and what can you like, what can you do? I love this because it really is of going, can chiropractic help anyone? Mm-hmm. I go, well, if we firmly know that the nervous system is our master command center of our body and having it communicate fully with every part of our body that helps our bodies work at the very best, then could it help to remove that interference? Then my answer is absolutely. So mm-hmm. is there any pregnant, any person that wouldn't benefit from chiropractic? Sounds like it's it's it, universal. It's universal. And it's one of going, I'd rather not wait until a symptom comes on because a symptom- Okay, what's a symptom? Well, a symptom's gonna be your last, normally your body's attempt to tell you, to tell you that something's not right. And so when a symptom comes on, we're normally dealing with dysfunction before that. But classic symptoms we see during pregnancy, low back pain, discomfort. The round ligament pain is the one that I will jump on because a lot- I would like to make a meme about the round ligament because <laughs> mine never found its way back into place. What is the round ligament and why does it still hurt when I sneeze? Okay. Oh, let's go there. <laughs> so the round ligament is truly a ligamentous attachment from the front of the uterus to the pubic bone. Mm. And we call it, it's a ligament, but it acts like a muscle because it can go into spasm. Is it only one on one side? It's on those? each side. Because my only the right side hurts for me. Which makes me think that you need to see a good chiropractor and get pubic bone checked probably. and pelvis because that's probably what it is, is if your pelvis torques or rotates or pubic oh. bone goes forward, it's going to pull on one side around ligament more so on than on the other side. Okay. And so you cough, sneeze, twist, get up and off a table or off a, yeah, a bed. Yeah, I mean, man, if I sneeze without warning, it is not it, good. It grabs you. And my yeah. last baby was born eight years ago. So, yeah. So that would be helpful. And that's it, it, it could be massively helpful for you. And you can correct that during pregnancy because I saw a mm-hmm. physical therapist during pregnancy and she just had me stand against a, a wall with my knees like in sitting position against the wall. Mm-hmm. And she had me sit there for like half an hour. And she said, do that every day. And I didn't because that sounded really unfun. And I couldn't see that it was doing anything. And I don't like to obey. I, I wish I could do it all over again and obey. But um, but that, that what was she trying to fix? What was she trying to help? A lot of physical therapists, um, from what I see, because I'm not going to answer for them. Right, and, and I believe it's such a good balance between the two of us. I'm not one that says choose one over the other. I'm like, no, 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 no we're hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Physical therapists are going to look at the muscles. And a lot of times we come into a pregnancy with already pre-existing conditions. We've got low back pain, which means we probably have a weak core, weak um, hamstrings that have been, or excuse me, tight hamstrings from sitting so much and then weak quadriceps and weak Mm. core. So a lot of PTs are going to focus on those muscles and say, well, that's what we need to develop. And then a lot of chiropractors will speak of bone and alignment. And, and so then there's kind of the toss between the two of, well, which one's first, which one's most important. And I'm going to supersede both of them and say, well, go back to the nervous system. Nervous system controls muscles, nervous system controls organs, nervous system controls everything. Let's make sure nerves are communicating properly. Then all of this comes together so beautifully. Mm. And so we really help optimize each other. And so to me, part of me being a really good chiropractor is having physical therapists who I know are wonderful and amazing because I don't offer physical therapy therapy in my practice on purpose. I adjust and I check the nervous system and I clear the nervous system and make sure people are in alignment like they should be so they can be at their best health and they may need physical therapy. So I'm going to refer to the person who's best mm, at that got it. and let them really take care of, of people. But it is one going, what are you willing to do at home? Yeah. And, and really get body working at its best as quickly as it can so it functions at ease. Okay. So, um, so are there things that mom can do to prepare before pregnancy to see if she's more in line? Like are things exacerbated during pregnancy or just things just happen during pregnancy because of that darn relaxing hormone hormone that well, makes and everything loosey goosey. It, it makes everything loosey. And I, I joke that relaxin has a double-edged sword. It's going to take a joint that's moving too much and move it more, which uh-huh. is not okay. No, nope. but it's going to take a joint that hasn't been moving and it, Allow oh. it to start moving. So there's actually some really good benefit to having so you relaxation. Can actually do, do some work do in a pregnancy. Lot. Oh, yes, we can see some big cool. changes and overcome scar tissue formation because of that relaxin. But most of the moms that come in, the way I explain it to them is that you had something happening before your pregnancy. The stress of your pregnancy, which is a good stress, and we're thrilled about the stress because it's mm-hmm. a sweet little baby, but that brings 
to fruition or exacerbates. exacerbates. And so I, I kind of joke, if you don't like how you feel when you're pregnant, you're not going to like five years down the road. It's a preview of the coming <laughs> attractions. So pay attention Thanks, to that. Doctor. Well, <laughs> well, and that gives you time. That gives yeah, you opportunity to say, okay, well, what can I do differently? Well, I just felt like I'm in my thirties or my late twenties when I was getting, giving birth. And I thought the, the universe did not make me to fall apart in my twenties. No. There's gotta be something. Okay. So you've got the, the back, lower back pain. What about, um, acid reflux. Is that a chiropractic issue? It can be. And so we look at acid reflux. Um, well, let me just go back for oh, just sorry. a second. So low back pain, you're already, you're there. So I love it. So low back pain, pain shooting into your legs, round ligament pain, pubic bone pain. If you're getting rolling oh, over in bed, yeah. trying to go up and down stairs, putting on a pair of pants. Oh my gosh. I couldn't even lift my leg. Yeah. That's a sign of a pubic bone dysfunction. Oh my expletive. Yeah. Yes. So, so those, I like to say those things because then when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's what it is. And now yes. it makes sense because you go to a traditional doctor and most of them are going to say it's just pregnancy related. I go, oh, I was, there was, and it, you know what? It was different with every pregnancy, which is interesting because my second was actually my most painful pregnancy and I had four. And so, but the second I was just wonked, like right. just the around, the, well, it wasn't around the pubic when you say the pubic pain, because I would, um, I was still working and I would, if I sat down and stayed more than five minutes, I couldn't get back up. My husband would have to lift me up and then I, and then I got too big for him to lift me up. So then I just <laughs> spent most of my days as a beach whale on the couch. But that's something that I could have come to see you. Absolutely. And how would you have treated that? Well, and it, so, well, first thing I'll say is this often is a second pregnancy or beyond because we go through this birth process and oh, everything opens up. And your body's like, hey, I, got, I totally got you. I, and, well, uh, the body's going to know, help me out with this one. And we go into mama mode. Mm. And, and we don't, we got to realize that our body's going to heal in what it has. And so if we're not back in proper alignment and proper function, the body's going to do the very best it can because it's brilliant and it's smart yeah. and it's going to try to continue onward. And so it's going to do the best it can, but it just doesn't have everything it could have. Got it. And so a lot of times I, I'm one that says, if you're seeing a chiropractor during pregnancy, wonderful. Make sure you see them postpartum because you really got to realize you're training for a marathon event. And to think that you don't want to come out of that at your best and your healthiest, it's like a lot of my moms will come in after they have their baby, they, they come in and they're sore and they think they're sore because they just had a baby, which is true as well. Mm -hmm. Then they get adjusted and like within moments of getting off the table, they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know I could feel this good now. Uh huh. So again, it's this mindset of, oh, it's pregnancy. Oh, this is postpartum. Oh, it's because you're nursing all day. Oh, mm -hmm. it's because you're not getting sleep. And so we discount our health and we're not listening to our bodies when it's saying, give me some additional support and resources because you're tapping me dry and that's appropriate. But we also want to really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And support the body. You yes. can't heal if it doesn't have the support. No, absolutely. All right. So how does a chiropractics help during labor? I love labor work. It is one of my passions. This is really rare. And I'm, I love poking things that you've mm -hmm. probably never heard this, but you can get chiropractors that will come to your home or hospital while you're in labor and give you an adjustment. Yep. So I have some rules behind that. And uh -huh. so I like, I want to share that this is that educational point as well, because I think it's really important. A lot, I've had a lot of doulas, midwives um, that will call me, family doctors that will call me and say, hey, this is one of my patients or my clients. Will you come and see them? But they're not my patient. Right. So, so I won't. Yeah. Because you I have, have established relationships. Absolutely. Yep. And I really want, and I want to share that here because a lot of people are like, I would love to come. But I can't lose my license and my mm -hmm. ability to help all these other people just for one. And I know that one person matters, but not more so. But you don't know her body and yep. she's in labor. So it's a complete wild card. Yep. So if you have an established relationship with a chiropractor that's willing to do labor mm -hmm. work, you are set. You are set. And mm -hmm. it is now, one. Now, why would you call yes. a chiropractor in labor? So there's two parts of this. And I want to share this. Early on in my career, I was doing a lot of labor adjusting and a lot of birth work. And I love it. I have lots of stories and amazing things that it makes. It changes the trajectory of birth every single time. Every single time. So when moms would call me because their labors were stalling out. They had pubic bone pain. I had one mom that had extreme rectal pain with every single contraction. Mm. Um, like terrifying to watch for this poor little mom. I adjusted her. And within moments, I got the feeling like, get out of the room. You're done. And I got her doula back in the room because we had to switch out. And she had her baby within like five minutes. It was like... <laughs> I just love it. It's like, okay. There's a little disclaimer. Yeah. These uh, results are not typical. No, no. And it's really one of going, but I say all that because 
we see that this dance of birth and this dance of labor is between baby and mom. Uh-huh. And and mom needs to be able to open up. And Sometimes it's a physical thing. I mean, for me, Absolutely. I was stalled and my midwife's like, let me see if that lip mm-hmm. is still gone, the yep. cervical lip. And it was gone. And she's like, I just don't know what's right. going on. And when you're in labor brain, transition right. brain, there's no there's no other brain. That's right. just transition brain. Yep. And you can't really like decide, at least for me, I couldn't say, oh, no. I need to move positions. But she said, try Move. putting your leg up. Mm-hmm. Try putting your leg up. And the baby, I could feel the baby with the next contractions, like descend all of the feels. Yep. I love it. And I was like, wow, just opening up mm-hmm. my leg. Yep. Open up of, the pelvis. It, so I gave birth in the like um, proposal mm-hmm. um, position, like oh. a, a man proposing. <laughs> yep. So one leg down and one mm-hmm. leg up and kind of leaning over my husband. And, and that, that, I mean, the baby just slid right out. Yeah. Whereas I was hands and knees before and mm-hmm. just opening up the hip. Just makes a huge, well, and we know like one of the reasons we'll talk about not laying on your back, ideally, unless a mom, and I'm a big believer in birth should be empowering event mm-hmm. for every mom. If she wants, she should be in whatever position's best for her, not, not directed by someone else. We find most women don't want to be on their back when they're trying to push a baby out, but not then, unmedicated, not unmedicated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then we talk about gravity and when you're laying on your back, your, pel- your sacrum, which is a triangle bone in the middle of your pelvis at the back, it, it cannot drop back because you're laying on it. But, oh, and the bed is forcing it And the back. bed is for, it's oh. holding it in place. So if you get a mom upright, here's where the numbers come in. When the sacrum is allowed to drop back, it opens up the pelvis outlet, which is what baby's coming out, by 30%. So if you're laying oh. on your back, you lose a third so of the pelvic outlet. So you've got to be seriously open anyway to yes. to accommodate a birth seven, with only mm-hmm. 70% of your capacity. Absolutely. And then you're trying to overcome a, the sacrum that's rounded. So the baby's head has to go slightly up in order to come out. So that's not... So yes. So working. when you say that it's like change the position, a lot, of, a lot of times during labor, if we see this kind of stall out labor or it's just long, it's not progressing. Those are the reasons that a lot of people will call in and we get mom moving. We check her. I always focus on sacrum. I check on tailbone. I check pubic mm-hmm. bone. I really make sure everything's just open and allowed to open up and drop away like I should. And then baby can... Oftentimes baby's head is kind of tilted to the side. And by opening up mom and her pelvis, it allows it to relax. And when it relaxes, that baby can tuck their chin often. And and they're able to, re- so to the move themselves. So the baby, I noticed, I love watching newborn exams. The Babinski reflux is my favorite, if anybody wants to know. It's always in my videos. Um, but it looks like so much of what the baby does is complete reflex. Yeah, so, oh, absolutely. So in labor, the baby's probably wanting to tuck their head. There's probably some sort of magical reflex that's happening that makes it so baby wants to get along with the whole so, process. Yeah, it's a neurological reflex. Oh. We're, we're born into sympathetics, which is why we're tucked in. So when someone goes fight or flight, like think about what they do is the fight or flight, they'll tuck inward, fetal position. So we're born into sympathetic mode. And then what will happen is as baby's head comes out, their head has now been born. Then we have the gallant reflex, which is just any stimulus along the side of their spine will cause them to go into extension. <gasps> they do that. I see they them. Totally do. They arch their back and you're like, what you doing? And, you and, so then it gets even better. So they're arching their back and they have a placing reflex, which is the bottom of their feet. When there's pressure on the bottom of their feet, they will push and will kick. Push <gasps> so they're kicking out a mom. This explains so so much. Okay, sorry. Go back. I love I, it. I, I no, missed no. the very beginning. Okay, so what's the what are they feeling when they're first descending through the cervix and into the canal? So their head is For being baby. Pre- pressure. So, so baby, yeah. So we call it cranial molding in a good way. It's like that baby's head gets a lot of pressure and it's stimulating their head. So it's again, sympathetic kind of stimulation because baby's gearing up to come out to the outside world. Mm. They're gearing up for fight or flight. So having good stimulation to the head is a good thing that's happening from pubic bone and from mom's uh, structure from cervix. But what we don't want to see is it being too prolonged. If there's too much pressure on the head, then we actually start seeing some changes to heart rate and breathing yeah, tone yeah, and things like that. Yeah, they so don't like that. They don't mm-hmm. like that. So it's interesting yeah. to say, okay, a little bit's good, yeah, too much a is not. Good. So then as they, it wakes the baby up, it too. does. It does. It preps them for that environment on the outside. I was if they get a headache after that. I would hope. Well, and you look at, in, well, in our research, we say, it's like, and I, I was a trained EMT. I actually got to help deliver a baby in a jail. I was an EMT in the jail, not an inmate. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. Let me make that really clear. And so, and I, and I remember being trained as an EMT of how to deliver a baby. And we were taught, and this is still how it's taught, is you take baby's head once, it's, once baby's born and then you turn <laughs> no, them. No, no, no. Stop, stop. No, I hate that part. I know, but <gasps> it really matters to say this because we were taught that baby, in order for their shoulders to deliver, they had to be on their side. 
Oh, okay. we were not taught that baby reflexively Which, turns on their own. Which they do once the baby's head comes out. So which you normally, don't actually have to. The, the midwife or doctor doesn't, doesn't have, have to, to twist turn their them. head. No. Okay, and we'll we'll put that. We'll talk about that in yeah. a minute. What damage that exactly. does when you torque a baby's head. And, but, but and then it gets gets a little bit better than that because we we're taught turn the baby's head and we choose which way to turn, which is normally right hand dominance versus left hand dominance, which is interesting to learn that. Oh. So based on the doctor, we can often see a pattern in the baby. But then I was taught to deliver their shoulders, pull up on the head and pull out. That's what I've seen. Or pull down on the head and pull out. That's what I've seen, yep. And then once you get their shoulders out, you pull them out. But we're pulling on their head. I know, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, and here's, let's make it make perfect sense of why it's not okay. Well, why would they, why would the practice have developed? To this point? Yeah. Because, well, the history of women laying on their back is really what necessitated us pulling babies out. There we go. And that's a great history. (laughs) History lesson. Okay. So before it became cool for women to lay on their back during labor. Which you know why they lay on their back? For the convenience of the doctor. No. Oh, it's better than that. And I'm, okay, I apologize because I know I'm going to get the wrong king, but it matters. There's a king involved. There's a king that he had all of his mistresses and he wanted to watch his mistresses give birth. I remember reading that. And so he said, I can't see it because they were were squatting and they were on hands and knees, like what most women will tend towards if if they're not directed otherwise. And he said, no, 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 put her on her back. And I want her... Her legs facing me. And so all of his mistresses started delivering that way. And they said, well, obviously if the king wants this, that's the ripple effect. That's how it started was based on a king. That's great. But then because sacrum can't open up and because now you're working against gravity, now we do need to help get a baby out. So that makes out. sense. If you're on your back with an epidural, um, then yeah. that uh, the doctor's going to need to assist. And that's they really the do. reality of it. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to be super forceful and they don't have to... I, I heard, well, maybe this is a question for a midwife, yeah. but I heard that, um, well, and I've had midwives tell me that the baby doesn't have to be pushed out all in one push. It can right. be two or even three. Or three. And yeah. so to let the baby hang out there, I know it looks very disturbing to see a head right. coming out of somebody's spot, mm-hmm. but um, it's really not dangerous for the baby no. for a, you know to wait for the next contraction right. for the baby to reflect. Okay, okay, great. So the, the baby gets this stimulation on the head mm-hmm. and then it art, it puts its it so tucks its chin, its chin. chin should already be tucked before it even comes through the cervix. it's a dumb posterior baby. Right. But what happens is often <laughs> those sweet little posterior babies. No, they're dumb. <laughs> no, they're sweet and amazing. And they're trying to moderate. Because you got to realize that babies oh, have to compensate. That's true. So the I environment's mean, not great for baby. I never got to figure out why my babies yeah. were posterior, so it's probably, but they were. It's probably because mm-hmm. of mom's pelvis. Something's mm-hmm. not right, lined up. And so they go, ooh, I can't quite navigate it this way. So I need to navigate it this way. Mm-hmm. And so baby often won't be in the ideal head down chin tucked position, which allows the smallest part of their head, or excuse me, the largest part of the head to go through the largest opening of mom's pelvis. Oh, okay. If so, their chin's not tucked. So wait, going back, posterior is when you are, your, your back of your head is facing mom's spine. Yes. So that's why it's so painful. They call it back labor. Mm-hmm. I'm just filling in here. Right. Because <laughs> I have experience I of it, it very well. <laughs> and so the baby's, uh, the baby's head and back are jamming against your structure every, during every contraction. every contraction. That's really painful. Also, your baby's face is smashing up against your- Pubic bone. Pubic bone. So mm-hmm. that causes bruising. So then you have a, a blue baby, which is just bruising. Right. Well, so, and we'll explain blue, ba- blue baby as well, because that is another rabbit hole we can go. But yeah. what it means though, is when I talk diameter, when baby's posterior or any position other than the ideal um, LOA is what we see is that baby's largest opening is going to be off-centered. And oh. so now they're not using mom's largest opening of the pelvis. It's kind of, it's cockeyed. So oh. it makes it longer, makes, makes it, it harder, harder it. makes it more painful for everyone involved. supposed to be born with face down. Yes, to be able to mold along that sacrum. Mm-hmm. And then it makes sense because then when they do the kicking reflex, they can, yes, they, get, they kind of shoot out. They shoot they sh- up into mom's arms, exactly. basically. Well, and, they, and then we'll go reflexes again because it gets more fun is if, and it does matter, if it's a non-medicated birth, then baby has all the reflexes to crawl up mom's belly, find the breast and nurse all on I've, their own. I've seen that. And it's so, <laughs> it's so and you fun. see, and you look at that going, is that really real? Totally they real. They can totally find it. But it has to be an unmedicated birth. Yeah. There's something about the medication that will cross over blood brain barrier to baby and will desensitize is probably mm-hmm. the best word I can use. Those primitive reflexes, those reflexes that babies are born with in order to thrive at their very best. It doesn't mean that they're not there. Right. It just means that they're subdued. Wow. Okay. So in labor, things 
are stalled maybe yeah. because it's uh, well we talked about this in an ep- other episode mm-hmm. the um, emotional dystocia yes. was something yes. that a midwife talked about and so you can have an emotional block against having the baby but if it's purely physical as it turned out my fourth one was just lifting up my leg mm-hmm. um changed the path so if it's a physical block, you can, what are you doing? Like huge difference. Are you rubbing some sage on her? No, just kidding. I'm like, how are you opening? What's your methodology? Like, what are you focusing so, in on? So when I go into a labor adjustment, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm manual. I use my hands, which does means very gentle, very specific. Um, you can use an instrument that is called an activator where it will click and, and make a, a pulse. Yep, exactly. Um, if I have that, great, because it can help. But if not, that's fine. And so I'm really focusing on pelvis. And I'm trying to figure out how pelvis is, is stuck, how it's not moving, how it's not functioning, which also tells me those nerves aren't firing at their best. So muscles aren't relaxed. Muscles aren't working in tandem. And so instead of having a uterus that's soft and open and then contracts like it should, it's going to be a contraction that is inefficient. Oh. And it's not smooth and, and productive is a good way to put it. They're contracting, but they're not productive contractions. And productive contractions feel different than non-productive contractions. Let me just tell you. And non-productive <laughs> contractions are exhausting. Yes, they are. And I think that's something that it's like, well, I'm, I've been laboring for days and I'm like, oh, baby. I'm like, honey, it's like both of you. All of you. It's all of you because, it all, yeah, literally uh, the entire birth team because it's so hard mm-hmm. and it's and it's. Uh, mentally, emotionally, really and that's what tough. that's what I feel I appreciated with my midwife is um, cluing in to the point where my contractions stopped being productive. Mm-hmm. And then, because I remember just feeling, starting to feel really um, like I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life, like losing yeah. hope, losing losing steam. Yeah. And she only let me be there like three or four contractions before she said, hey, you know, you want to move your leg? Yeah. And, I, and that's, again, goes back to your birth team and your provider yes. to pick somebody that's going to watch your body language. Yeah. And, and my favorite is watching birth practitioners give birth because when you're in birth, you can't birth. You, no. you can't like totally different. Help, your, mm-hmm. help yourself give birth. So you, you forget all of the tricks and the funniest people watching give birth are midwives because yep. they don't know what the heck they're doing. I know. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, remember that trick you make, you make you your do. clients do, <laughs> you make your patients do, yep. you do that. And they're like, Oh, but that seems so miserable. Right. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Well, and I, I'm not doing it. Well, and I love it because it's one of the, like I got in with a lot of midwives and what's funny is I had a midwife as a patient came in during labor. Yeah. She had c- contracted all night, posterior baby. And she, very much that it was another midwife who says, you really need to go get adjusted. <laughs> and she's like, I think I'm fine. I'm fine. She came and got adjusted. By the time she got home, baby was like coming. Coming out. Mm-hmm. And and so it's, it's just, I love those stories because I'm looking at going, why did you not think of this sooner? No, because no. you're right, we're in labor land and that's where mm-hmm. women need to be during labor. And that's why I love the name midwife, myth yes. with, with, with woman, mm-hmm. because you, you hire somebody who's going to watch your signals and guard over you. Nobody can do this work for you. That's kind of the crazy thing about birth. It's a, it's a completely solitary journey, but that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Absolutely. Well, and because it's completely solitary, solitary and supported, that's where the empowerment can mm-hmm. come. And it is, it's like, I love the fact that no one else can do this, but we can help hold you in this space and in this place. And, and so you can say you're not alone and you're loved in this process and we're going to help you. And I, and I love the fact that you say, okay, a few contractions. So your midwife can look and, and see, we've got a pattern established. Let's yeah. break this pattern real quick yep. and interrupt this pattern. Because I think that's what is happening with more interventions in birth is that we're pulling away the, the with woman part. Mm-hmm. So we're not seeing in three to four contractions, oh, there's a shift. This isn't efficient anymore. We need to make a change. So but we're waiting hours. for six hours, you totally see different it quickly. Story. But if yeah. you're just coming in and out and just watching a woman, you don't know when the pattern changes. Absolutely. Yeah. Or if you come back and you're looking at just a reader strip and you go, yeah. well, the contractions for the baby are still okay. I go, yes, baby matters because it's this dance with baby. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what's happening with mom because they're partners in this adventure and you're exactly right. You've got to be with them to see these changes to, I, I had a midwife early on. I love the expression she made. Birth is like a, a train ride. You can notice something on the train tracks when it's hundreds of feet away and you can make a small course correction that makes a massive outcome change. Oh yeah. Or you can wait until the train is screaming at you, lights blaring you in the face and now have an emergency that you need to react to. Mm-hmm. And the more that, and more that we're trained for normal birth, the quicker we can recognize an abnormal birth. No pun intended. Trained no. for normal. Literally birth. trained yeah. for normal. Exactly. Well, and I have to say that because when we look at most providers, they haven't, like most yeah, traditional, they, they've never even seen a well, natural they're, birth. They're trained um, to watch for anomalies and yep. to keep their clients, patients safe. Yep. So 
And, yeah. and intervention is the way that we do this. And I look at that and that's why I love saying train for normal birth because I think we need to normalize normal. Mm-hmm. A normal birth is where mom is supported and, and upheld and her wishes are, mm-hmm. are followed. And this birth is efficient, effective mm-hmm. and empowering. That's yep. normal. Anything other than that is an abnormal birth that also has an emotional toll to it that some moms are totally fine with how it worked out because they were honored in it. And other moms need to mourn the fact that it didn't go their way. And to say, well, at least you have a healthy baby actually dismisses that entire part of the grief process. Exactly. Yep. Um, So after baby's born, what can chiropractics do? To help this sweet little baby? Yeah. Well, both the mom, let's mm-hmm. stay with the mom right. for a minute. So you're wide open. Wide your, open. Your hips mm-hmm. are like, whoo, yep. wide open. Like what, can you speak to belly yeah. binding? Is that helpful chiropractically? So or? chiropractically, I don't see a difference with belly binding. Um, that's really something that I've seen. I've been in practice now almost 16 years and it, it wasn't around when I first was starting a practice or it wasn't so more popular. it doesn't make popular. a difference chiropractically. I haven't seen that. I've seen the more of a soft tissue change right, to it. Exactly. And it really should be higher well, up that's anyway. What, that's what I was questioning mm-hmm. is, yep. is if it makes a difference directionally, but it's more soft tissue. Yep. Okay. We're going to do that in another I love that. podcast. Yep. I can't wait. Um, so, but it, should she come see you within the first couple of days or? Absolutely. We have a lot of our moms will say, come and see us as soon as you can. And so often it's a trip home from the hospital that they will stop in on their way home, um, home from birthing center or on their way home from birthing center or sometimes we'll go to their homes. It's like, I like to get them into the practice as soon as we can as well, because I can use drop tables and be really gentle, have the pillows for breast tissue support now mm-hmm. as well. And I have um, had the gear really that I need at the practice, but at the same time we can do a home visit as needed or as required, because as soon as we can get mom adjusted, checked and adjusted as needed, her body starts going back into healing and repair mode. Mm-hmm. So it comes out of this this fight or flight from labor, and now it can more effectively heal repair. The way I kind of think of um, our bodies is, you know, you've seen those pictures of the trees that grow into the fences or grow yes. into bicycles yes. or grow into whatever next. It feels like when your body is hurt, it will grow, it will heal the way it thinks it should heal. Mm-hmm. So seeing a chiropractor right after birth would be like setting everything straight so the body can just clean. Clean. And it's such a good way to put it because I look at, we know scar tissue is a wonderful compensation for normal tissue, but it's disorganized. Look at spaghetti once it's cooked. That's what scar tissue looks like under the microscope. Mm. Traditional tissue is spaghetti in the box, straight lines, Interesting. clean, organized. So our body wants to go towards, towards organization, but when it has to deal with something, that's when it will go to more of a chaos is a good way to put it. It's, just, it's, it's fast. It's gotta, doing the best it can. It's got to yep. close up the wound as fast as yes. possible to keep you running. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So now baby. baby. So sometimes I see this, um, the baby is like curled up to one side or, and I, I now know, I mean, spoiler alert, my baby, my first baby must have had a terrible misalignment because he literally couldn't nurse on one side. Yeah. He couldn't turn his head. And that caused all fun things with my milk supply. Right. So what? (laughs) Well, you just named it, which I love because, well, and you named it beforehand. I said with the blue baby, we'll get back to it. Oh yeah. Blue baby. A cardinal sign of a subluxation, which is a misalignment of the spine that affects the nerves. And most babies from birth, like a medical doctor did this research. He found that 95% of babies have an upper cervical, so upper neck misalignment from birth. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why not? Because it's a natural process. It's a natural process that has now been, I, I look at that of going, I, I love what you say that because here's what the medical doctors will say. And I, I think it's Taubin is who I'm quoting right now. A birth under optimal ideal conditions is a traumatic comma, potentially fatal event. Okay. So medically we're being taught, no birth is not a normal event that doesn't cause issues. So it's coming from a mindset. From a medical perspective, birth is a traumatic, oh, the word is crippling, potentially crippling event for an well, infant. Well, yeah, potentially. So thank goodness we have medical intervention because in the best of circumstances, even in an ideal controlled environment, birth is a traumatic, potentially crippling event. And my answer is no. That's it weird. We wouldn't have been have on to earth be. for millions of years if, if and survived. long. Nope. Yeah, that makes no sense that just in the last hundred years, birth is traumatic and everybody has a spine misalignment. Well, and I look, but here's what I will look at that as well as the history of, of natural health and of healers. Like we know that there were bone setters back in the 1600s, 1700s. It's like natural healing has been around for years. It was removed systematically, especially in this country, but across the world in the 1950s. And so when you really look at natural healing was, it was targeted by the AMA 
not just chiropractors, we were part of the acupuncturists and herbalists and natural healers were all targeted. That went out and medical went way into vogue. And we went from a home birth environment to a hospital environment. So it's just basically what's been popularized in the last and what's been researched years. because we can't or or what's been written oh, that's about because we're not yeah. we're not writing about these home births because I, I love the expression if you're doing it you're not writing it so these midwives oh, are out doing <laughs> the work because yeah. I just I just refuse to believe that ninety five percent of the babies born in the seventeen hundreds were were messed up cervically. So here's right? so thank you for saying that because here's what I will say and I can tell you from my own personal experience this is what's been taught in chiropractic. And I agree with that statement. 95% of babies are subluxated at birth. And in my practice, when I first started, 95% of babies were subluxated at birth. And then I've had a transition in my practice. As I've taken care of couples, preconception, take them through pregnancy, they hire the right birth team, they have a birth that's Mm. empowering, efficient, and effective. What do you know? That baby is beautiful and amazing. So I have seen the change okay, so in I'm my own practice. Maybe in the 1700s, mm-hmm. ba- more babies were born or, fine. Ma- yes. And maybe as we messed with things and took birthing away from women and f- away from homes and well, away it's, from it's communities. It's probably not just the baby too. It's probably the way we don't squat and yes. the way we sit in our yeah. chairs. So we're probably doing something that makes the birth a little harder for the Absolutely. baby too. We're not. And, and we call it labor for a reason. It's, it's work. And, and as a lot of women, I think they go into labor, especially first time thinking, well, it'll be tough, but I've got medication on my side. I'm like, no, it'll be tough because you should be training for a marathon. And I will Mm -hmm. joke between running a marathon and having my second baby, I'd have my second baby every single day instead, because with marathon, I had to choose to keep on running for all those miles where labor just takes over. There's always a point in every labor where those moms like, actually, I'm done. See, I make a choice right now to be done. And we're all like, oh, baby. You're cute. (laughs) Bless your little heart. Baby's going to be here in 10 minutes because if you're done, it means baby's closed. And that's, but we love that point because that's when mom reaches her point where she truly doesn't believe she can go on. And then she finds this little bit of power left in her that Mm -hmm. she didn't know she had. And that's the beauty. Yes. Because then she is a powerful warrior mm-hmm. and she found her own power. And the thing that amazes me, I just went to a birth a couple of days ago, is that you can go from the most intense experience of your entire life to giggling happy yes. within a few minutes. And it's like, it just goes to show you it's an intense experience, yes. but not not with lasting pain, suffering, I, trauma? Well, and I, I, I think it's a great way to put it. It's like, I have a lot of people say, well, I don't want to suffer during labor. You don't want to suffer. Absolutely. You never no want to suffer. Mm-mm. And I look at that going, no, no, like choose your, choose struggling, your option. Struggling yeah. is healthy. Suffering is not. Is That's not, kind of my I, mantra. And I, I love that mantra because I look at going, I choose to have mm-hmm. a natural birth because I want to work with my body, knowing it's going to be a struggle, knowing it's going to be hard, but choosing that. And as soon as I had my babies and my husband's one that said it, like he's the first one that made me really clue in because we'd go and see friends in the hospital. They had their traditional hospital birth epidural and they're like knocked out, drugged out for days. And he's like, Christina, you got to realize that like, you can tell you're in labor. Like you're a whole different person when you're in labor. And then it's like, you had your baby and you're back to you. And you're I like, know. <laughs> you're holding your baby and you're just and like- And they're laughing. Yes. And then you're like, oh, the placenta, what an inconvenience. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> and so I think that's the one we look at of going, like everyone kind of pays your price, but- have it as a choice. Choose yeah. what's best for you. And I think there is such power in going, I just overcame something I thought I couldn't and I'm still connected. And I am like, I love the expression that's only now coming out. When we birth a baby, we birth a whole new woman. Mm-hmm. Oh. We birth a mom. Well, that's a saying, but mm-hmm. it's actually chemically yes. shown yeah. physiologically. Um, your brain changes yes. in labor. The oxytocin that, that flows through your entire system. It just, it completely rewires. So maybe the stalled out labor is actually doing exactly what it's supposed to. Oh, I always that believe oxytocin the oxytocin is doing yeah, its job. I always believe yes. the stall is a... It's not a stall. It's not a stall. Mm-hmm. It, it's a moment. There's something going on. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it's a physical or an yeah. emotional dissocia, but yeah. also dissocia meaning block. Right. But but a lot of times it's just the body gearing up. And if you leave it alone, right. the mom's... Yeah. Okay. So back to babies. So torticollis... Yep is the thing that makes it so every, the baby has to wear a helmet. Potentially, yes. So torticollis is rye neck is what it means. So like this rye neck. rye neck. So where this baby's turned to one side, the classical symptoms of a torticollis is baby's head is tilted and then turned towards their shoulder. So they're unable to rotate over both shoulders or look over both sides. Okay, so that is that a, an alignment problem? It can, uh, yes, absolutely. So they'll say it's a shortening so we, we know their muscles in spasm, the sternocleidomastoid muscle is in spasm. 
But we also know that the nerves at the top of the neck are the nerves that control that muscle. Okay. And so if there's a misalignment at the top of the neck, there's going to be, there has to be a compensatory muscle spasm because the body's going to try to protect oh, that. Oh, got it. Okay. So, so it's, it's stemming from a physical. Absolutely. Okay. And so when someone comes in with a torticollis, unfortunately, these babies aren't two weeks. You got to realize torticollis is normally not going to be diagnosed until a month in. Well, that's when their head is yeah, flat. When and the, now, and then the head will change. And the reason the head will change, so the plagiocephaly, which is the change, the symmetry of the head, babies will often be born with a cone head and then will go to a symmetrical head. But then, then if baby has a torticollis, they're turned to one side and they're tilted to one side. So they're going to be leaning on one part of their head 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And so now the head will mold to that pressure so it has nothing to do with if you're a bad mom and leave your baby no. in the car seat all the time. <gasps> That's what I heard. Yeah. You There's gotta, many other reasons to not, not have your baby in the car seat. Well, many other reasons, uh, but, right. but I remember but not, having babies yes. and, and the older women in my life saying, make sure you hold that baby all the time. Otherwise it'll get a flat head. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but I'm done holding the baby. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and then you look at the Eskimos. It was interesting. They did a study with Eskimo babies that are strapped to a board for like the first year of life. Oh yeah. They don't have a flat head. But we also know that Eskimo women rub their babies' heads vigorously twice a day. Really? Talk about all that stimulation to the brain, to the head and everything else. It's like, and so again, we're made for movement. And so we have cranial bones that are like plates is a good way to describe it, but they interlock like fingers. And so it allows this hinging effect. And so baby, when they're born or as they're born, their cranial bones have to overlap. It's the most fascinating thing to feel is that overlap of those bones. I did not name it this. As a baby's born, if no one's holding the baby's head, it's called a cranial blowout. And it happens no matter what. So I guess it, like it's a cranial blowout. And if no one's holding the baby's head, those bones will pop out and then come back together and form this little hinge effect. And everything will be lined up and be symmetrical. If someone's holding the baby's head, when that cranial blowout's trying to happen, then you may have a incomplete or an asymmetric cranial blow. So one side will pop out like it should and the other side doesn't do that fully. So that can contribute as well. So we do a lot of cranial work with babies because we know those cranial bones are still moving and that's protecting the delicate brain. And so we got to make sure that everything's lined up and moving like it should so that the brain is allowed to develop communicate function that is also going to tie into cerebral spinal fluid flow, which is what protects the brain and go up and down spinal cord. Those are a lot of really big words. Yeah, I know. And I just spit them out. I know. I'm like, I'm feeling really, really (laughs) intelligent over here. Okay. So, but back to like my level, (laughs) just kidding. So I'm just thinking um, as back to the Eskimos yeah. of the rubbing of the head. Oh, yeah. So you're saying cranial work is very gentle anyway when you're doing right. it. So mommy's um, instinct to rub their baby's head while nursing. It's so good. That's actually like uh, yeah. cranial it's, it's, work. It is. And I send like that's one of my homework assignments. I send all my moms home with. Head? I'm like rub your baby's head. Oh my because goodness. Because it's also a cardinal issue. Like remember how I talked about we talked about blue babies and we jumped through it. So I want to go there real quick. A cardinal sign of a subluxation at birth is baby's not breathing well. Yeah. Another, and then you mentioned the next one, baby's not nursing on each, on both sides yep. equally. This isn't that you have chocolate milk on one side and, and normal milk on the other. It's not a preference, which is what a lot of moms are told. Baby just prefers that one side. No, I don't believe that. They never that prefer, makes no yeah. sense. And then the other thing I'll say is that- Well, of course he prefers it because he can't reach the and other Exactly. One. And, it's, and I'll say the word uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it's not right. It's not ease to be able to nurse on both sides. So they will go to the side- that's easier. And then you'll produce more milk on that side. So yep, now it does create a uh, super long kiss. Yes, you will. And so when we look at that or the other flip side that moms will do, and I have to ask this question more carefully is, can they nurse on both sides? Absolutely. Can you nurse them in the same hold on both yes, sides? Yes, because some moms will change their They'll position. change it. They'll go from mm-hmm. football hold on one side to a cross cradle on the other. And technically you're, what you're doing, mom, good job, mom, is you're accommodating your baby's mm-hmm. issue. And so they're actually in the exact same alignment, but you've accommodated for them. So they they can nurse. And so I look at breathing issues at birth, low tone, um, an inability to nurse equally on each side, that popping, clicking when they're nursing. So they're going to pull a lot of air in, which is going to make them fussy. So we look at colic, constipation, they're not sleeping. These are all cardinal signs of something's not right in their delicate little electrical system. Let's make sure their electrical system's on. Let's mm-hmm. make sure all the bones are moving like they should throughout their spine, throughout their head. And it's so gentle. The pressure that we use. Oh to, yeah, that was my next that's question. That's the biggest one. Yeah, because you, I would never want to see you torque a baby's no. head. No, <gasps> and I would beat anyone who would want to do that as well. I'm just as protective, if not more. I, so I heard of a chiropractor that used snap, crackle, pop on babies, and I was like. Well, that's somebody who's going to lose their license in a minute. Well, I'm on Doppel's board. So we have an issue with that as well. Oh um, my gosh, really? Well, it's tactic. It's tough. Oh, Let me pick explain. up the bus and throw it on him. Yeah, right. yeah, I know. I, I agree. <laughs> the pressure 
again, this is why you have to choose a chiropractor that has kids in their office yes. and has babies in their practice. And so they go, oh, well, I do this on adults, so I'll just modify it to a baby. No. No, run the other direction. This is not your geriatric chiropractor. Exactly. This there's a not your accident difference. rehab yes, chiropractor. or your nutrition chiropractor or your AK chiropractor because there's about 300 techniques in our profession. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is they think once they see one chiropractor, they're the same. Once no, you, you guys are I'm all radically different. different. Which mm-hmm. makes it, it's hard to trust chiropractors because you all seem to have your own woo-woo technique. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to throw well, it no, back Well, no, say you. that, but I'm going to throw it right back of going, but in medicine, we name it different. Here's my OBGYN. Oh. Here's my ENT. Because if your ENT did what your OBGYN does, you would go, wow, they're wackadoodle. I never want to see them That's, again. Okay. But we right, name it, it. as it is. Exactly. So we name okay, it there, so but we don't the name it here. what are the names you're, like, what are the names you could know to kind of screen your chiropractor? Well, for, I always look at websites. Because I look at for chiropractors for my patients or for people that call in all over the world, and I will honestly pull up their website because their website should speak to families. And mm. I, when I see that it speaks to rehab and pain and personal injury, those are wonderful things or sports injury. Well, yeah, you but need that not for, for babies. your babies or for your mm-hmm. or for your family to grow healthy. It's like our, my practice is a family wellness practice. So then, so then somebody coming with you with a sports injury, you're not a great fit for them either. Depending, it's I will say depending on what's happening, mm-hmm. then I may not be the best fit for them. If they're wanting to do a lot of rehab work, that's not what I do. And so we can do a lot of repair work with the nervous system. And then we go to wellness, we go to health, but I'm not one that I don't see a lot of rehab or a lot of injuries. Cranial sacral I heard that yeah. word all the time. I'm a craniosacral therapist. Is that a chiropractor? Mm-hmm. Is that it a chiropractic? It doesn't no? have to be. And oh, so crani- it sounds really chiropractic. It, it can, yeah. So there's craniosacral therapy, um, and so in craniosacral therapists. And so there's it actually was started by Dr. Upledger, who was a DO. And he started the whole movement within cranial sacral work. And so that whole mindset is focused on the flow of the cerebral spinal fluid. Oh, that's not a physical thing. No, it's to allow the nervous system again to work No, but I mean, you're, they're not moving bones in nope. that. No, oh. no, no, no. They're, well, I shouldn't say that. It's like the idea is to open up areas, mm-hmm. but with the but pressure doing, of like holding a massage nickel. Massage kind yeah, of? No, pr- it's just, oh. Yeah, it's just gentle pressure. The pressure of holding a nickel? A nickel for that. The pressure we use for adjusting is like pushing on your eyeball. For babies. For babies. And so it's super gentle. It's super light, okay, but it's I really, really say, specific. She's talking woo-woo here, but mm-hmm. I was at a birth where the baby was obviously torqued. Something yep. was, some, and he was just not happy. Mm-hmm. They couldn't calm him down. So they called in a chiropractor and he just touched like this little yes. button behind the baby's ear mm-hmm. and the whole baby's body just like went limp. And I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. Yes. So I have seen it in action. Yes. And so it's really, I had someone describe it as actually a patient of mine that described it so well. He's like, you know, you totally are the electrician of the spine. He said, it's like, you're the one that knows where the wire is malfunctioning. Which the fuse needs to be reset. Where's the fuse that needs to be reset. And when you can physically see it. And I love that because you can, you can physically see it on babies. Not every time, but there are times you can, I can see it on adults. It's just, it's kids are just so inherently connected within their bodies that that's how you can see it easier. You get that right little spot where you just, it's this, it's this misfiring and you get that nervous system, those wires to fire properly, the whole body changes its tone. It just zoom and it powers up to life, but it powers down to now the state of, of growth and healing and repair rather than just having to react to its environment. Wow. Okay. And then I just have a, a question. Like your exams take two seconds. Or not the exam. They're not the exam. Yeah, the, the visits. The visits. Yeah. And so it's, it's like can. sometimes it's like, man, I'm paying like mm-hmm. all this money for her to touch me four times. Yeah. But you, you're saying you can really get the electrical flowing better. Just it's finding the right area to adjust. And here's the flip side: the examination. So when a baby goes into a chiropractor that knows babies and sees, and, and same with adults, it's like, but it's really one of going. When someone comes into our practice, we do an exhaustive new patient procedure. Uh-huh. It is a lot of work and the examination is time intensive. It's, it's deep. We are very thorough. So now we know what's going on. We know patterning. We know what's happening. We know what it's going to take to unpattern, to retrain mm-hmm. nervous system. We know the schedule is going to take because we put in the exhaustive work to figure it out. So now baby comes in and our mindset is what is the least we can do to make the biggest difference yeah. in their nervous system. And often it's one or two things. That's it. Because if you overdo, if you do too much, you can actually like overstimulate a baby. Mm. And the last thing you want to do is overstimulate them because mm-hmm. now you took them out of healing and repair and you put them right back into sympathetics, which is what we're trying to get them out of. Got it. And so, so does it take multiple visits mm-hmm. to help a baby? To retrain. Because it comes back to what we're what we're now learning is and what's happening changed really in our in our generation, and I'll probably say even generation before ours, is this very high stress pregnancy 
lots of intervention. Mom is cortisol through the mm-hmm. roof, which is actually changing hormones in mom and in baby. Babies are now born with more cortisol expression. So they're in a state of sympathetic dominance, not just sympathetics from just one time, but they have a dominance towards sympathetics, which is mm-hmm. fight or flight. And the way I love to describe it is fight or flight is running from the tiger. But when you run from the tiger, you don't stop to eat. You don't stop to poop. You don't stop to grow. And so if baby's stuck in fight or flight, they're not eating well, they're not pooping well, they're not sleeping because they're simply surviving, but surviving is not thriving. And there's a huge difference between this. So mm-hmm. baby's not eating well, which means they're not gaining weight, which means that they're fussy as all get out and they're not sleeping. So they're not repairing. They're not able to wind things down, which means mom and dad are not sleeping. And so this whole environment, like I, I love this type of this, this age because it affects everyone. And it's so important that we acknowledge everyone. And so then when we get baby adjusted, the whole focus I have is to get them out of sympathetic stress into healing and growth mode. Mm-hmm. And so we adjust them and it's resetting those wires, taking them out of sympathetics, they go into parasympathetics. So these babies will often like, oh, crash and sleep and eat better and they start pooping and a lot of moms are like they weren't pooping like this before and it's like there's so much in there yeah i'm like that's good because we want that to come out and so it really is this about face of traditional medicine which means that we check on baby and and watch them through growth charts rather than we optimize health we optimize function we do everything we can for the very best of our babies Mm -hmm. helping to grow healthy kids rather than waiting until we have damage yeah. Rather than waiting until things are wrong. And so it is an about face of going, well, which one, one's easier because it's totally hands off. It's medical. We just go in as needed. And then if something's wrong, we go back in. Now we deal with the, we go from crisis to crisis to this crisis. This is more preventative. Absolutely. 100% yeah, preventative. Providing the fertilizer yeah. so that it can grow, yeah. the baby can grow. Absolutely. No, healthy. I love that. And it's really one of going, yes, I'm more involved. And, and I love that because I look at these moms and I look at these families and I, and I love the first timers but they don't always understand what they missed out on. So it's my second time yeah. and my third timers <laughs> yeah. that are like, this is totally different and they appreciate See, here's it. My, here's my goal in the change and birth. Well, my dream, I have a dream of first time moms having all this information, yes. not second, third, fourth right. time moms. And it's, it's just so unfortunate. So many times we don't have the information until we've been through it the first time yeah. and we go, oh, we don't want it that I way again. I don't want to do that again. So, um, so, so we have an entire generation of practice children. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Yes. Well, the, I, I heard the joke is like at 18, you can turn your oldest back in. And I've looked at my oldest and even everything I knew, like I had William as I was graduating chiropractic school. And so I knew all this. I had a home birth. I had a, a midwife. I had a doula. Um, I had all the right people. And William was born hogtied in his umbilical cord. It's, <laughs> to this date, it's still the longest umbilical cord I've ever seen. He, it was wrapped around his neck three times. It was wrapped around his body. And as he was born, it tightened up on him. And so midwife was amazing because he wasn't breathing well. And I didn't know this because I'm in labor land and I'm an EMT and yeah, I'm right, yeah. about to be a chiropractor within two months of graduation and they take over and they do everything right. They're giving him oxygen, mm-hmm. they're warming him up and he just wasn't rousing. He was actually having rib retraction. So you could see his ribs every time he's breathing. He had a high pitched sound to him. I don't remember any of these, but that's because I'm in mom mode and I had a chiropractor there and I'm holding William as we're trying to get him to really nurse and get going. She says, well, do you want me to adjust your son? And I'm like, of course. And she reaches down just under his ear. So very top bone of the neck. And I just watch her just holding. Like it's just nothing. There's yeah, no pressure. But what I saw and what I witnessed as a mom was like the floodgates opened and blood rushed to his face. Mm. And all of a sudden he started breathing normally. Oh, so that could be a blue, a blue baby thing That's, too. Yeah, he wasn't mm. even blue, like, but just that, like, I didn't know he was missing blood. I didn't know he was lacking it until I saw the change. Oh, and, and I just want to say the blue is the bruising, right. it's not oh, the lack yes. of oxygen. So big, big, big difference. difference, huge difference. Huge Thank difference. you for saying that. Uh-huh. And so I can say from my experience that I've seen chiropractic as a mom. And then to be able to be that chiropractor that helps out and, and really optimizes life and health I know, and function. You're seriously I'm, the bomb. <laughs> I get fired up about this. You get this. on Facebook and you ask any question mm-hmm. in, in the Utah birth groups on Facebook and it's always referring back to Dr. Stitcher. <laughs> so I am so grateful that you came today. I learned so much. Such I'm, an honor. I feel like I'm so enlightened. I'm not actually. But <laughs> I learned so much juicy stuff. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to 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 make sure that we know. I, I finished normally with, with this emotional plea. My emotional plea is that we do the very best we can as women. We do the very best we can as moms. Yeah. And then we judge ourselves so harshly. 
And I wish that we just talk about that a little bit more of going, give yourself grace. Yep. And going back to like these, you would someone else. These babies, like you don't have practice children. Right. That was who you are. You did the best you yeah. could your first and, and your second and your third. And, and stop and that's, Yeah, stop regretting. judging and stop thinking I should have. It's like, we got to get rid of the shoulds. I looked at um, William just this last week. He turned 16 in a couple You're months. so old. I am so old. I feel that. And I said, <laughs> William, you and I are both lucky we're alive and that we survived some of those really pivotal times in your life. And I used to be embarrassed by that and you'd be shamed yeah. about how my postpartum and how I really didn't connect well with William at the beginning and everything else. I now speak about it because it is such a place that we need to say, this is, no- this is can be normal. Mm-hmm. This can be part of it and we need more support. And you know what? I know differently now and I can love on other women because mm-hmm. I can see it in them and go, honey, you're doing your best. And your best is as uh, good as it can today, be. Turn to the next pregnant woman next to you and say, "Honey, you're doing your you're best. doing an amazing job." And we because need- no, no, no pregnant woman would knowingly not do their best. Exactly. I mean, that's ludicrous. That's all parenthood is. Everyone's making the very best decisions Always. they can, and we just need to start giving a little more high fives yep. to each other and go high five. Good job. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. You're yep. a a bad a mama, <laughs> and you're yep. amazing because we love that. And I think we need to say that to ourselves a little yeah. bit more. So where can people find out more about you? So my practice is Family First Chiropractic in Salt Lake City, Utah. I also teach across the world now and lecture to other chiropractors. And so I also coach and mentor other chiropractors. And so that program is Practice Evolution. And so if you're looking for a chiropractor and you're not in Utah, you can always reach up to reach out to Practice Evolution or to utahfamilychiro.com. Those are my two websites. I'm happy to help. I have a yeah. network of doctors all over North America that I work with on a regular basis. And this is what we do is we are working on being the most excellent doctors we can, clinically amazing because we know that our- Clinically amazing. That's a great tagline. Isn't that great? Because Mm -hmm. it's about taking responsibility for the opportunity that we have, the blessing we have to save lives and change lives. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's an honor. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.